Welcome to the Assembly of Silence Radio Hour. And here we are. Here's another one of these episodes I was talking about putting behind the old Patreon paywall, but I kind of feel like really this is a message I kind of want to just send out in general to everyone. Here's the thing. I know I'm kind of going over some of the themes over and over again. And uh, I guess that's basically what we do. You know, we, we each have a sense of what's important. And we try, perhaps, to whatever extent we can, to broaden our perspective. Uh, but ultimately, at, at the end of the day, you know, unless you're just going to be an interviewer, if you're a commentator of any sort and you aspire to uh, share your your perspective, whether you're doing that formally or if you're just doing it informally amongst friends and family, well, it makes no sense to focus on things that you don't consider as important. So here's another commentary that is about a very, I think, pressing situation. I actually recorded it quite a while ago, right after the so-called insurrection. It became pretty clear right away that there was going to be, as always, uh, they're going to make the most use that they can of every event, whether it's uh, something that was kind of homegrown or artificially stimulated. And right now, uh, recently, we've seen further steps along those lines to really provide justification for uh, concerted action against uh, what are being described as domestic terrorists. So this is a very, very concerning thing. This is exactly the kind of thing that um, those of us who are paying attention back after 9-11, uh, when the Patriot Act was enabled, of course they managed to name these things the most ironic things possible, but it increasingly became um, you might say punitive to be a, a dissident, to be someone who disagrees with the uh, sanctioned mainstream narrative, the perspective that one is supposed to hold if you're going to get along with your masters. Now, of course, we have to acknowledge that this has always been a world where there are powerful people who get to call the shots, and the rest of us really don't. But, you know, there was a fair amount of emphasis uh, traditionally placed upon the right to speak one's mind. Free speech was considered a major, let's say, compromise in a world where clearly the powerful had the, you know, the upper hand. And while talk is cheap and speech is of limited utility, it nevertheless is, you know, at least we're able to retain some dignity in the face of uh, whatever our overlords have, uh, have planned, you know, for better or for worse. Now, of course, sometimes the people in charge know what they're doing, and they may have an unpopular agenda that they feel needs to be fulfilled, regardless of what people think. And, uh, you know, maybe occasionally they get it right, but of course, quite often they don't. And it's the dissident voices, the ones who are complaining about what's going on, that provide the counterpoint to the plans of those at the top. 
And so when those dissident voices start to be quashed or targeted, demonized, well, I mean, we've seen an awful lot of that lately. And indeed, some people now have lost their livelihoods because of things that they've said. So we are on a slippery, slippery, slippery slope that is heading in a very, very dangerous direction. And so, yes, it's another episode that's going to be somewhat disturbing if you really want to think about it seriously. And, uh, of course, it's understandable if you wouldn't want to. So uh, let's leave room for that because life is short. And since there's not a hell of a lot that we can do individually about these things, you know, the, the most I've been able to muster is to occasionally make these kinds of commentaries to offer perspective uh, in this format on this on this uh, podcast. I know that others think that more direct action is necessary, but I would maintain that quite often that's where things get really, really squirrely. You know, tell me the successful revolution. Which one worked out really well? You know, when did violence in the streets really do the trick? And of course, you know, right now we see that the very small number of people who were incited to violence, well, that's now being used as justification for an entire domestic terrorism program. So, there you have it, folks. I hope you find this interesting. I know there was something else I wanted to say in this introduction, but I don't remember what it was, so maybe I'll remember before I post it, in which case there will be a little edit here before we go to the main part of the program. What I'm hoping to express in this recording is going to sound like politics, but really it isn't. I have increasingly become convinced that politics is a dead end because it's fundamentally based upon what people want. And what people want has very little to do with reality sadly. So, when you're talking about the current situation, it's difficult to uh, not put it in something that sounds like political terms, because of course people's concerns are first and foremost in their minds. And every statement has a political consequence. But if we take a look at where we are and where we've been, the present situation is extremely concerning. Like, frightening. Like, not just, oh, this is bad, but this could go really bad. And what I'm referring to specifically is what happens in a nation when it's committed unjust warfare and now has a domestic dispute that has driven a wedge, well, more than one wedge, really, but has divided the, the population irreconcilably. And 
I think what a lot of people are failing to recognize is that a lot of the people who are being demonized right now, who are being sidelined, are either former or present members of the military, or the people who suffered the most as a consequence of the process of globalization and the deindustrialization of the United States, where jobs got shipped, shipped overseas. And so the failure to recognize the legitimate grievances of people who have seen the horrors of what the American empire has decided to do with its power overseas, and who have seen the horrors of what has happened as a consequence of domestic policy here at home. You know, there's a good reason why when the, the people who fight come back, they have such a hard time reacclimating to society because what they saw happening over there and then what they see happening here is just such a nightmare when you really consider it. The two things are incredibly difficult to reconcile in a comfortable way because fundamentally this so-called land of the free has just disgustingly for forced itself on other nations for reasons that are highly suspect and done terrible things to their populations for no good reason. You know, you can argue about what the actual reasons are, but unless a nation is doing something unspeakably horrible or is committing acts of aggression against you, what possible legitimate reason would there be for going in and destroying a whole country? And this has happened not just in Iraq, but Afghanistan, which has been destroyed by multiple invasions, or you could say actually has been incredibly resilient in the face of multiple invasions. Both of those things are true. Libya, Syria, Yemen, all of these places, the United States has played a you know, if not the, the, the key role, then an important role in escalating conflict and profiting from it. Or at least the, the United States government and the, United, and the American people have not profited from it, but certainly major international corporations have profited from it particular those within the military-industrial complex, but others as well, major infrastructure companies, you name it. And so the ugliness of all of that now is kind of the weight on the balance that's now visiting our domestic discourse. And the fact that the people who appear to have assumed power for the moment now want to basically categorize such a huge number of people as domestic terrorists 
sets up a very ugly picture. And it goes something like this. When you demonize people who have worked incredibly hard and fought for this nation, and who are capable in the military arts, then what you're doing is you're creating a terrorist organization. You're not fighting against one, you're creating one. When you disenfranchise the people who have suffered the, the brunt of both foreign and domestic policy, you're creating the, a degree of desperation and anger that can only find its outlet in violence. You are deliberately making these people into what you claim you don't want them to be. You're creating a domestic terrorism force. And ultimately, what you're doing is you're setting the stage for the uprooting, the final uprooting of all civil society within the United States. You're setting the stage for all Americans who are not in the top 1%, let's say, who are not uh, major players in this world, all of them are going to lose everything. And that means that many of the people now who are calling for the demonization, calling for uh, laws to be written to go after these so-called domestic terrorists who supported Trump and who rallied and uh, invaded the Capitol building, If you're calling for that, what you're ultimately calling for is the destruction of civil law and the forfeiting of whatever it is that you think you may have in this world. Because, you know, just look at how this has played out in other places. Fundamentally, the people who still have something are the ones who lose everything when a country goes into revolution or civil war. You know, and, and Antifa has already said they don't, they're not on Biden's side. They just want to tear the system down. So you can add to that pool people like Antifa and other you know, groups that are interested in in taking down the American system. And you know, fundamentally, this may be unavoidable. It may be the natural consequence of the sin of, of this nation. Because, my God, this nation has sin. And while the leadership is certainly the one responsible for sending us to these immoral wars and for uh, selling the American people out in so many different ways. We've been told the whole time this is a democracy. So, and in many respects, we've just sort of stood by and let it all happen. We're too busy being entertained by freaking movies and TV and music and 
all that garbage. Something Wicked This Way Comes. A great novel by Ray Bradbury. Pretty decent movie by the same name. It's well worth watching. They saw it coming a long time ago. You know, if in the Eisenhower administration they were, he was warning us about the military-industrial complex, and it's not as if that was ever addressed. It's kind of been shush-shushed, and only people, uh, you know, libertarians talk about it and stuff like that. Apparently, he also wanted to include congressional in that, but he thought he would lose his political power if he had said military-industrial-congressional complex. But that does provide a, a bigger picture, a more clear picture of what it is that one is up against here. And, of course, any efforts to really change that would probably be met with the most brutal tactics. So, the degree to which any of us could have ever done anything about this once the die had been cast, I'm really not sure. You know, to some extent you could say a history has its own inexorable course that just doesn't care about our intentions and our best efforts, which is why I think politics is hopeless. It goes back to, you know, what does reality care about what we want? And now that everyone's been, con you know, converted into a consumer rather than a citizen, that's all anyone talks about. Well, we want health care. You know, we want a more equitable social system. We want, we want, we want, we want a cleaner environment, uh, a better economy, more jobs, universal basic income, all these things that everyone wants, right? When has that ever had anything to do with what ultimately happens? It's just not relevant, you know? So now people want to, like, condemn the people who were so upset that they stormed the Capitol building. That's what people want. They want to, like, punish these people for having scared the bejesus out of some of these so-called public servants. And, uh, and yeah, some people died, you know? But people have died in a lot of other kinds of, uh, altercations over the last year. I didn't see the same reaction to that. You know, a number of people have died up in Portland. I haven't seen anyone trying to ban Antifa. So... You know, all of this is, is just very fishy and very, very disturbing and very, like, I guess predictable. Because this does seem to be the way that the cookie crumbles. History has this terrible thing of, you know, maybe it doesn't repeat, but it sure does rhyme. And it's just a pity to see it going this way yet again. You know, you'd think that we would have learned something by now. But I guess it's too late for learning. We blew it. And so now all we can do is suffer the consequences. And it's just incredibly frustrating. Because, you know, over the course of my lifetime... I'm now in my 50s. I've tried to talk about serious things with people my whole life. And I've always been, well, shunted aside, basically. So, you know, I don't mean to make this personal anyway, but, you know, I was never someone who was like a big organizer. I'm not a leader type. 
I can't even really get people to listen to what I'm saying. Quite often, even the people who I know the most, there's a handful of people who I can really talk to. And, you know, again, even if that had not been the case, even if I had been able to discuss these things with people and we had formed some kind of solidarity and decided to take certain action, would that have made any difference? Probably not. So it's just an incredibly frustrating situation. You, you want to do your best to, to stop the train from going into the, the pit, the abysmal pit, the endless abysmal pit. There's a bottom somewhere, but we're nowhere near it. And we are circling the drain. So, all of the urgency and, and despair that comes with considering these things, it kind of leads nowhere. And, and then you're kind of faced back with, okay, well, I just have to make the best of the situation that I'm in right now. And it's difficult when you think about this stuff to keep your life on point because it feels like everything is pointless but you've just got to keep things straight. So that's why I'm recording this in the car. I don't have time to record it at home. I'm moving from one job to another right now and I've got to get stuff done. So I'm trying to keep things on point even though really ultimately I just feel like, I feel like going to sleep forever. I kind of wish I could just do that. And that somehow, by resting, it would all be solved when I woke up. And there would be some hope for the future. But right now, it doesn't look like that. Now, of course, it could be wrong. Maybe it'll go differently. It's not impossible. There are some new things in the mix. And there are people far more intelligent than I who are probably thinking about these things and maybe they have more resources than I do. And who knows, maybe something will happen or maybe on a more fundamental level, maybe God is looking down at all of this and experiencing. Looking down is really not a good way of putting it because that kind of reinforces a lot of uh, cliches that I think aren't very helpful. So we could say God is looking upon, maybe experiencing is seeing what's happening through all of us is the way I would view it that God is looking into the creation from all points of consciousness and is experiencing what's happening and you know my belief is that to the extent that any of us are able to have a real concern, like the same kind of urgent concern for what God is experiencing as we have for what we ourselves as individuals are experiencing or what our loved ones and our friends and neighbors are experiencing. I think that if we can put ourselves into that framework and think of all of creation is experiencing everything that's happening and pause before we commit acts of 
aggression and violence and start the inexorable process rolling, we would have to defuse a lot of things in order for it to be effective because I think it can only forestall violence for so long because it, it's simmering under the surface and you can see how, you know, an entire group of people who at one time committed themselves to anti-violence and peaceful, you know, give peace a chance are now uh, clamping at the bit, chomping at the bit, I guess is the phrase, chomping at the bit to see violence done to the unruly deplorables who themselves are being primed for violence. So here we are. Here we are, approaching the destination, having said an awful lot of stuff, probably a lot of loose threads, but it's just going to have to be that this is enough for now. Thank you for listening. Thanks for listening. We look forward to serving you again soon. In the meantime, remember, turn that thing over a few times before you pick it up and take it home. <laughs>